Welcome to Doctor Who on Target. Podcast where we discuss the target range of classic Doctor Who novelizations from the 1970s and 80s. Those long ago days where, if you missed Doctor Who on TV, you missed it forever. Unless, of course, you bought the target novelization. So, join us, jump aboard the TARDIS, set the time rotor for late 20th century Earth, and with a wheezing, groaning sound, We'll discuss Doctor Who on Target. Hello, welcome to Doctor Who on Target. This is David in Chelmsford. And this is Greg in Swansea. And this week we're going to be looking at Extremis by Stephen Moffat. I think before we start, I should say that this is just our reaction to the episode and that other opinions are available. And I know last week, Greg, you were very enthusiastic and said that you'd got a full Doctor Who hit out of Oxygen. Can I ask you your first reactions to the new episode, please? Well, the um, the Oxygen I had in my lungs from last week has been well and truly knocked out to me, I'm afraid, David. Um, I I really was so excited for this one. It looked to have all the sort of hallmarks of um, the, the suspense and um, the thrills that we had of last week's. But, I mean, we, we both discussed before, you know, we try not to be negative in this, but I was really down after watching this one. I I, I think the problem is... I, I I love Stephen Moffat, and I I think I said to you, you know, I think he's he's a genius, but not everybody can deliver, you know, to their best ability all the time, and I think sometimes he can get stories in such a complex web of knots and uh, sort of counterpoints and sub arguments and subplots, and I I watch this and I. I really didn't have any idea what was going on. And the bits which I did have an idea what was going on weren't really remarkable. They were, they were just average. I mean, the piece with, with Missy being executed, you know, that, that could be a, an interesting scenario. We know the Doctor's not really going to execute her. That's that, we, we think. But... There wasn't even much drama in it. It seemed dull and long and, um, oh, I was just so disappointed with this episode. David, what what about you? What are your initial impressions? Well, my initial impressions are quite similar to yours. I think there seems to be a misunderstanding out there that confusing writing equals clever writing. Mm. And it doesn't. And the word you used last week to describe what you don't like about modern Doctor Who. You used the word frenetic. Oh, yes. And I think that this episode was a prime example of a frenetic episode. As you say, very, very confusing. Yeah. Wasn't clear what was happening. Didn't even understand. I felt so let down to think that after 
all these weeks of dreaming about who could be in the box, if it is just Missy, that will be such an anticlimax. Yes. As you know, privately, I've been dreaming of the first Doctor coming out of there. <laughs> and if Missy comes out, all my hopes are dashed. Oh. So I wasn't very happy to think that she was in there. And as you say, there just doesn't seem to be any logic about Missy's, well, even anything to support Missy's predicament. Because as far as I remember, in that dreadful episode with Cyberbrig, the Doctor actually zapped her or something zapped her out of existence. She turned up again in the Dalek episode at the start of the next season the Doctor was incredibly cross with her, if I remember correctly, yeah. for her attempted murder of Clara in the Dalek cases. That's right, yeah. And I think he sort of banished her from his sight or told her to run because he was extremely cross. Yes. And all of a sudden, you know, she's appeared from nowhere again. A thousand years seem to have passed between where we are in the present day and the time of the execution, unless she's getting out early. Yeah. And I don't understand it. I, I don't understand so many aspects of that scenario. The Missy execution is the point at which Nardole joins the gang. That that was obvious. Although, why Riversong should send him, why she should care about Missy's death, I don't know. Why she should want to warn the Doctor not to do extreme things anymore. It, well, why? Why Why is that? I mean, he's done some pretty extreme things up to now in his career. I didn't get that at all. And, and, and wh where did this friendship between the Doctor and Missy come from? Mm. They weren't friends the last time we saw them. I thought they were still sworn enemies. And... Um, the thought that Missy's in any way trustworthy and a useful ally is, is quite ridiculous as well. I don't know why he'd wish to save her. Yeah, that's really interesting. I do love Missy. I think she's great. Oh, me too. I, I think she's a wonderful character and she's absolutely beautifully acted. She She's just good. But even in, in this, I felt the direction fell flat. On Missy, Missy, you know, Missy can be frenetic because she's got it down to a T, you know, when she's got that slight manicness in her, uh, you know, that's great. But this was just all flat and having her bow down and this and she just did it all. It was so dull. But it's interesting, David, you, you've actually um, raised some more confusion and conundrums, which I hadn't even picked up on. So, you know, yeah, even as you're saying some of the things which you're unhappy with it, you're adding to the ones which I am unhappy with rather than there being the same ones. There's so much confusion in there because, of course, you're right about Missy. You know, when um, the Doctor last met her with um, when Clara was trapped inside the Dalek and um, he um, the, the Doctor nearly killed her. Um, he he did um, issue some sort of warning to her, was it to to run away? And and as you said, you know, it's it's just so confusing at, at every level. The thing with with the, I mean, we we've got the Pope turning turning up. I mean, that that's a great gimmick to to start off an episode with. That's in why on earth would the Pope come to the Doctor? You know, that's really 
And it did give leave for some really interesting lines. Um, I did I did love the line he said about um, when they were in the, the crypt under the Vatican. And uh, what did he say? He said something about the, um, it's very complex in here and it's designed to confuse people. And, and the doctor quipped a bit like religion, really. And um, I quite like that. But even so, I've no idea what these monks are, what the significance of it is, why the Pope, what the... Uh, it's just it's just a jumble. I, I tell you, my, my big fear um, here, David, is Russell T. Davis brought Doctor Who back and he did it fabulously. And some of his episodes were the absolute pinnacle, I believe, of, of Doctor Who. But unfortunately... When he had the team and everybody working at their absolute best, I, I, you know, it, it hurts me to say it, but the final story he did, the end of time, he dropped the ball, and I think that was an awful jumble of a mess of a story, and I, I can't even bear to watch it. I bought it on Blu-ray. I watched the first fifty minutes, and I thought I can't bear this. You know, it's just, and I wonder. Is Stephen Moffat heading along those lines? Is he reaching burnout, perhaps? Is he reached a stage where the complexity of what he's trying to do is... I'm not saying beyond him, but it it, it really isn't what you want in a Doctor Who story. You raise a good point, because imagine you were setting out to write the most confusing bit of TV drama that you could... Yeah. In the understanding that two episodes later, you would explain every single thread that you'd created. Yeah. Now, the way television works, if people don't like that 50 minutes, there's absolutely no guarantee that they'll still be there 100 minutes later no. to actually see the resolution. Yeah. We're not stuck with it. We're not. It's not like we're watching a play that... Well, I, I suppose even in, in a play you can leave at half time if you're really not having a good experience. Yes. But it's a very dangerous strategy, I think, to willfully make something as confusing as you possibly can. It works in Sherlock because the stories are pretty much resolved within the, the same episode. Yes. The same long episode. So you can throw all these balls in the air for the first half hour because yeah. you know people will still be there on 85 minutes waiting to see how it all resolved itself. I'm not so sure that that strategy works in Doctor Who. Even in Classic Who, we found that audiences dropped around the middle of each story, didn't they? Yes. And then people would come back for the resolve and television functioned very differently in those days there was far fewer things to choose from for for entertainment yes so i'm not quite sure why you would do that as a a dramatist when you don't have a captive audience mm, mm. and you have the drawer of britain's got talent on the other side which is a very popular rival product i'm not sort of giving any judgment on how good it might be but it's certainly a tangible threat to to Doctor Who's audience. Yeah, yeah. I I think that you know, I would pray and hope that the 
it's not the same audience who would watch Doctor Who and watch uh, Britain's Got Talent, but I could be very, very wrong. I have been known to be very, very wrong in the past. So, <laughs> okay. Do you not think both shows are aimed at families? Ah, that's an interesting point, Because actually. I would suggest that both of them are aimed at families, but yeah. we don't want to get yeah. hung up on the relative merits. I think the, the basic point was yeah. I'm not sure that you can rely on the goodwill of the audience to stick with you if you deliberately confuse the hell out of them for 15 minutes two weeks earlier. Yes, yeah, no. That I mean, this is it. It's... It's teetering on the absurd, isn't it? I mean, and this is the problem. We uh, There are a whole series of absurdities in this, which, you know, it's Doctor Who. We, we used to see in absurdities, but they serve a dramatic purpose, you know. I mean, you know, whatever, the TARDIS going in space. But those are the conceits we are happy to go along with, which are great. But it's just, this one is just full of nonsensical ones. I mean, the one... I think I could have got this very wrong as well, but from what I seem to understand, the crux of this episode was that they are not in a real world, but in a sort of video game-like representation of it. Right, I think that's true. Right. Now, what I don't understand is you're going along with that premise, but then the people, you know, the Doctor makes this um, quote about... The people think they're real in the video game. Well, no, they don't. That's nonsense. You know, if somebody's playing um, whatever, you know, um, I won't say Space Invaders, but if they're playing whatever games they play these days, you know, these incredibly complex PlayStation games, the, the people inside, the characters inside those narratives of the story don't think they're people. They don't think anything. They're just pixels on a screen. They just code, yeah. It's just nonsense what he's saying. It, it, even if, you know, what they were in was some sort of uh, attempt to trick people like the Matrix or whatever into thinking that they are actually real people existing. But that's not what he's saying. The, You, you know, the conceit he gave of that being a video game, people in video games think they're real, it just made me guffaw. I just thought, what on earth is that? That's clutching at a bit of nonsense there, you know. <laughs> well, I would add to that that yeah. the idea, the premise that he's put forward isn't particularly original because I don't know if the same happened to you, but when I found out about the invasion plan, my first thought was to think of Terry Nation's 1975 story, The Android Invasion. Oh, yes. Where the is it Stygron? He Stygron. makes a yeah. replica Earth with newly minted money, and the Doctor realizes that the simulation is just too good. Again, it's it's the bad guy Stygron, Stygron, duping the astronaut into assisting his plan to release a deadly virus and wipe out the Earth's population, and for the Kral is it Kral to populate so. it? So anyway. What I'm saying is that one's been out before. It was done more than 40 years ago. That one's been out before. But even more recently, there was an episode, I think it's called Heaven Sent, where the Doctor had to relive every day and punch his way and punch a bit more of the barrier and punch, punch, punch and die at the end of the day to return the next day 
to punch it again until he finally broke through. Yes. Now, if that's not the video game character dying a million deaths yeah. and still, you know, we, we've been there. We've been there yeah. as recently as last season. I, I would add to that that we, 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 Moffat has also done it previously to that. Is not, I think it was season eight or season nine, where everybody was supposed to be going up to this heaven place, isn't it? You know, they were all going to be going in heaven. Remember, it was the story arc stretching throughout the the series. But again, it was just a Cyberman uh, thing to get all the bodies. I see. I think that's Dark Water Stroke Death in Heaven that you're... Sorry, I was getting confused with last year's... That was Heaven Sent, you said, That was Heaven Sent, Hell Bent last year. That's right, sorry. That's right. But but your point on the Cybermen... It was just that they were making a fictitious world where people thought they were actually going... Uh, oh, that's right. They were orbiting on a spaceship, weren't they? And the chat, Chris Addison was there. That's right. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Another one of these fictitious worlds set up to deceive people. And it wasn't. So, I mean, you know, it's become a bit of a running theme, really, isn't it? You know, it's uh, mm-hmm. and I, I did find some of the um, absurdities i mean i'm just watching it on i play and now leaving it run through the part where the president um the american president in in the in the oval office is uh, has been dead for 12 hours i mean that what a nonsense that is isn't it you know how can he lie there dead for 12 hours and nobody notices he's the president for goodness sake it's it's just all these things. The, the, I mean, I did like, actually, um, some of the domestic bits with with, um, with Bill when she was bringing a girlfriend back. And I love that line um, where I think it's her... Is it her foster mother or housekeeper? Yes, foster yes, mother. foster mum, isn't it? Yes, and she says that... Um, you know, she has very strict rules on allowing men in in their house, and uh, Bill quips back, "Not as not as uh, not as strict as my rules," which I, I rather I thought that was quite funny, but mm. it it was so lacking. I felt um, it, was it just me, or did you feel the direction was flat in this? Well, I I felt that that it, at this time the the story seemed to be on a hiding to nothing. Mm. The script was, yeah. but I could be wrong. Because it could be the most fantastic resolution under the sun. It could be brilliant. But if you don't hook the audience, mm. you you know you've had it. But no, coming back to the president, I assumed he was a, like a video game president. And so his death had no consequence anyway. Uh. And he'd, he'd been lying there because by that time they were in, in the simulation. Although it's very hard. Right. I know Nardole has a theory that they enter the simulation at the Vatican. But then the original characters must have an independent existence. So I don't know how the simulant Nardo would know that he's there at that point having the out-of-body experience. Yeah. Has left the, his real self in reality. It, it, again, very, very confused. Which bit of the Pope's visit was real or was it all fantasy? The... Missy flashbacks happened all the way through the episode. So presumably they either happened to the simulant doctor as well. Yeah. Or when we saw a flashback, it was a meditative doctor sitting by the vault. Was the simulant 
doctor sharing those memories? Was it the the other doctor who was we were seeing his thought process at that point in the story? It had obviously happened a long time ago, and it was on his his mind, wasn't it? Uh, to be David, I didn't I, understand. I know. I, I, I honestly, I, I, <laughs> I'm sounding like a fool here, but the things which you were talking about there, I, I have no conception of. It went straight over my head because mm. um, I wasn't aware that we were in the simulation then. I, I wasn't aware. I, I found myself being strangely, not distracted, but feeling detracted from it. You know, I, it was. I was just aware of the fact that I'm not understanding. I am not enjoying it. Um, it, it I, uh, oh, I don't know. It, it was just so. The these long. You see, this is so bizarre again because the the story which you mentioned, Heaven Sent, I think is utterly at the the, the pinnacle of television drama. I think that was a wonderful episode, and Peter Capaldi carried that by himself superbly and we had nothing more really than Peter Capaldi talking and it was fabulous but I felt in this story there were long drawn out speeches which didn't really mean anything were over complex they didn't relate to anything I mean I mean wouldn't it be great if I if I sat down and, and watched it again and then had a revelation and went oh, my Gosh, it's absolutely fabulous. That was the problem. It was so clever and brilliant. I needed to see it again. Now, that can happen, but I am i really don't think it's going to with this one. I can't see it. Right. Yeah. That's I've... sad. I wish we could find something positive to home in on. Oh, the other... Before we do, though, before we try and do that, I don't know what... I think we should mention another thing yeah now the doctor realized that the simulation was too good and there was this throwaway line about being able to summon the real doctor and he's got these glasses that can send email and he can think things and yes twitch his nose a bit like bewitched and stuff happened <laughs> yes so the bad guys basically gave him working tech with which to undo them no. which wasn't very clever. And the, the other thing that I didn't like about those glasses that the Doctor had was that they seemed to repair his vision. But if he has no vision, he's not going to see the readouts. Or is no. that completely stupid? Have I not <laughs> understood how the tech works? Were we actually seeing images projected directly to his brain rather than things that he was reading off the inside of the glasses. I'd probably sound an oaf because I didn't understand how those glasses were feeding him information. He quite clearly couldn't see. Mm, yeah, yeah. Unless he's lying, as we said before, and he can. Uh, you see, that that's the sort of thing which I would be happy to to gloss over the these these small things like that you know i i could I, I agree with you you know on on the face of it it doesn't make sense because it's not as if they are wired into his or sending signals to his brain but they they sh there was a sort of ebook wasn't there that yeah. was directly going into his temples yes 
Yes. But again, that was the simulant doctor. That wasn't the real doctor yeah. receiving that information. Yes. Now, yeah. I don't know. Remember Joe 90's glasses used to have some sort of probes on the side that used to feed the um, information directly to his brain on the mission. Right, yeah. Perhaps it was an upgrade with darker glass in them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd, uh, but you see that this is it, isn't it? You know, like I say, I'm, I'm more than happy to so forgive little pieces like that. We don't know how we do. It's a bit of magic. It's a bit of this. A bit. Of, but the, what I can't forgive is a story which isn't a story. You know, it, it's, it's not. No. So we, we haven't. I haven't got anything out of this story to make me feel, you know, I've been on an adventure with the Doctor. I, mm. I just feel, you know, I tried to watch this and it was confusing. I don't understand it. I, I've really got nothing out of it apart from a, a few clever, funny lines. And that's so... Yes. Yeah, and that's so sad. I mean... We could. I mean, you did mention that it's actually the start of a of a three part story, I believe, isn't it? I think it might be a three part, but it's at least two parts because it hasn't resolved yet. Yeah, yeah, and like you say, it's keep. I mean, we we know we're gonna stay with it because we we Doctor Who fans. But I think, like you say, for the audience, the general audience, how can they come into this and just watch that? But you see, this is where I'm flummoxed again because. I noticed that um, the reviews for this have greatly been excellent. The sort of the Guardian. Well, they have. Yeah. I mean, I don't really read anything before we record because no. I like to just give my opinion and try and blot out what everyone else is saying. But in one, I looked on one website. And I saw a comment along the lines of made the preceding five episodes look like fan fiction. At last, a proper story. Good God. And I thought, well, I can't actually agree with your view. I, I th thought that of the last five episodes, we had three very decent episodes. Yeah. And a couple of tolerable episodes. Yeah, yeah. Which at least had a beginning, a middle and an end. Yeah, yeah. And told a basic, simple story. Is the definition of a proper story one you don't understand? Well, it wouldn't be my definition of a proper story. No, no. You know, I'm I'm perfectly happy to have a bit of mystery, and I'm perfectly happy mm. to be left wondering about some things. But I think, as you say, you know, the it, it has to engage with you. It has to. I have to feel that I've got. An adventure and some sort of... I, I mean, cliffhangers, we're all for. But I didn't even feel this was a cliffhanger. It was just left hanging rather than, you know, a cliffhanger. I mean, a cliffhanger implies impending, you know, peril or doom, which we're going to see a resolution to next week. This wasn't anything, really. No. You know, it's... um. Oh, I, I I feel so so bad being so negative about it, but I genuinely cannot summon up anything other than that those are my feelings. I did enjoy a couple of jokes in there. Right. And that's the best thing I can say. Yeah. I did enjoy the fact that the suicide document was called Veritas, which was exactly the name of Robert Kilroy Silk's 
short-lived political party. Oh. I used to watch Kilroy and feel pretty desperate as well. <laughs> and the other really good sly joke, I thought, was in the Catholic Library of Heretical Text, they spotted Harry Potter. Oh. And, of course, before he was Pope Benedict XVI, Cardinal Ratzinger did condemn the Harry Potter books as destroying the seeds of Christianity in the young. Really? So I thought that was a clever link. It resurfaced when he became Pope, and it was made clear that the condemnation of Harry Potter had not been sort of a papal decree or anything. It had just been his point of view that he'd expressed before achieving greatness, wow. or at least being awarded the hat. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so, so I thought that was quite a sly That's nice. thing to pop in. Yeah. But I can't tell you at any given point in that episode what we're actually watching, whether it's real, whether it's simulation, mm. where the two cross over, yeah. what happened to the original characters when the simulants were being viewed. The Doctor obviously went from the lecture theatre and the Pope to standing outside or sitting outside the vault again. Oh, dear, um, dear. Yeah. Earl Mackey went home. Yeah. Do you remember we were told on the tour that Bill's flat was used in another programme? We were indeed. Yeah, the programme was Pobbly Come, a Welsh soap opera. So that's a, that's a factoid for the listeners. Yes, yes, yeah. We that's... only found that out. Earlier this week. <laughs> you did, yes, yeah. It was a good set. I've got a flat feeling about this one. Oh. I've had to scrape really hard to find something that I enjoyed. Mm, yeah. I, I, I hope that it picks up. I hope that it turns into the best resolution to a Doctor Who story ever. Yeah. But I'm not holding my breath on that one no please don't please don't hold your breath on that one because um i don't think good consequences will come from that um but look next week's episode the trailer at the end that looks like a really good episode to me i mean it's called the pyramid at the end of the world well that's that's a fabulous title that's the sort of adventure i like it sounds great it looks really interesting i mean we've got it says a 5,000-year-old pyramid stands at the centre of a war zone where the Chinese, Russian and American armies are about to clash. There are many problems with that, but the one that intrigues the Doctor is this. There wasn't a pyramid there yesterday. That, that, I, I like that. That's capturing my attention already. And um, it's written by... Um, is it Peter Harness? Peter Harness and Stephen Moffat. Oh, Peter Harness and That's Stephen. Oh, right, because yeah. Peter Harness did that fabulous Saigon one, didn't he? Then he also did Kill the Moon. Oh, dear. Oh, you oh, see. Gosh, yeah. Always, you see, I, you lifted yourself up then and I've got <laughs> shot you back down because it turned out the moon... Wasn't it a big egg or it something? It was a big egg and a dragon egg or something like that, which is just painted nonsense, you know. Just... The irony that you can lose the will to live after watching a programme <laughs> in which people lose the will to live after discovering the truth. Yeah. I might just skip next Saturday and just read some <laughs> Sylvia Plath or something instead. <laughs> Cheer myself up. Yeah, well, <laughs> that would be great. The bell jar, that will do. The bell jar, my gosh. It's, uh, oh, dear, dear. I, I, Let's I, do a score. Oh, a score. 
Oh, David, I'm going to have to. This is, do you know, I, I feel guilty doing this, but I'm going to say three out of ten. Do you know what? I was going to award it a three as well. Really? Yes, I'm afraid I was. Well, we've got... I, I was leading up to it. I was thinking, you know, I can't give less than a five. And I thought, well, I've given a four for something. And this is definitely the worst one. So... Mm. You you sticking with your three, David? I'm sticking with my three. Yeah, me too. I'm sticking with it. It's um, Capaldi deserves better than this. It's just not. He does deserve better. Oh dear, dear. Every week for me, it's it almost goes without saying that he'll be brilliant. Mm. But I don't think even he saved this one. No, no. I, I I was I was watching these long interminable speeches. See, that's terrible because, I, as I've said earlier, he can give fabulous long speeches, but these were interminable. There was nothing for him to get a hold of. Um, yeah. Oh well, we we we've you know we've condemned this good and proper, haven't we? We've given it. You know, <laughs> I am <laughs> I am so looking forward though to. The next one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to being proved wrong. Yes, absolutely. I'm looking forward to having my socks well and truly knocked off <laughs> by the pyramid at the end of the world. Oh, but there's going to be a little bit of a delay, unfortunately, in getting our reviews to you. Um, uh, we're going to be two weeks behind schedule, but then we're going to do a big zap. And catch up in one go, David, don't we? Yes, we are. Oh, so it's, it's unavoidable, I'm afraid, um, you know, holidays and we're not going to be here to watch it. Well, anyway, when we return, we'll be sure to be full of positivity for the next episodes of Doctor Who. So I do hope that you'll join us. Fingers crossed. Goodbye. Please tweet us at Doctor Who on Target. That's DR Who on Target or email us at doctorwhoontarget at gmail.com. That's the end of this episode, and I would like to thank BBC Audio and Penguin Random House for kindly supplying us with preview copies, and to Smerin's Antisocial Club for the use of their version of the Doctor Who theme tune. The biggest thank you goes to you, our listeners.